0: was a moment where I remember just being just kind of broken and still trying to figure out what how to how to do this whole thing because how how am I going to tell his little brother I mean his little brother adores him and and to for him to ever see him as different that's not what I want for little brother so um I was angry with God and then there was one moment where I finally heard God tell me he just said There are so many things he told me, but he said, just stop. I picked you because I saw, I see something new. You just can't see in yourself. And that is strength.
1: Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. Writer and author. Professional and motivational speaker. TV presenter, life coach, an international ambassador for autism and mental health. He is proud to invite you to his podcast, My Time, with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo.
2: Hi, and welcome to this new episode of My Time with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. And this is your host, Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. I'm truly honored and privileged for you to either watch me or listen to this new episode of my time. Your support is crucial, and so if you haven't done so, please subscribe to my podcast through all the platforms. I truly and I'm gr- and I'm very grateful for your support. And today's episode is a special one. Uh, today, I have the honor and privilege to interview a person that in reality, really doesn't need an introduction. And so the reason for it is because the person I'm going to interview today is very, it has a unique story and she has had a tremendous impact, mm-hmm. um, you know, throughout her career and her life. And, and today I'm honored and privileged to be interviewing the one and only Jackie Velazquez. Jackie Velasquez is a multi platinum selling Grammy nominating artist. Uh, a contemporary Christian and Latin pop singer and songwriter, and also an actress. Uh, Jackie Velasquez was born in Houston, Texas. is of, de- uh, of Mexican descent. Uh, she grew up in an evangelical church where her parents were both singers and pastors. Uh, Jackie Velasquez, you know, throughout her career, she has sold almost more than 3 million albums in the, in the United States, especially recorded three platinum and three gold albums and recorded 16 singles that hit number one plus six more that entered the top 10. She has received different awards, like the Latin Billboard Music Award in 2002 for her album, Mi Corazon, eight Dove Awards, including Best New Artist and Female Vocalist of the Year, as well as three Grammy nominations, an American Music Award nomination, and the category of Favorite Latin Artist in 2002. Uh from 2010 to 2016, uh, Jackie Velasquez co-hosted the Family Friendly Morning Show, which is a, which was a syndicated morning radio program with Doc Giffrin. And on December 17, 2006, uh, Jackie Velasquez married uh, Nick Gonzalez in a party ceremony in Austin, Texas. And which you know, her husband uh, Nick Gonzalez is a member of Salvador, a Christian group with whom she has been touring, and and also together. Uh, They have two children, you know, two children, first born, uh, Selen, in in 2007, and their second son, Saren, in 2009. So it is my honor and privilege to be interviewing the one and only Jackie Velasquez in this new episode of My Time with Tony Hernandez-Pumarejo. Jackie, thank you so much for coming into
0: my podcast. I'm truly (laughs) honored. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your uh, time and thank you for that incredible introduction. If my kids were here, they would just roll their eyes and go, "Oh, mom, please."
2: (laughs) Well, I've been a big fan of you of your songs, uh, Jackie, for many years. So for me, this is like a dream come true. You know, if 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 I look at it that way, so uh, for me, this honor, I'm honored and privileged to have you in my podcast. And so let's start right off the bat, Uh, Jackie. I start uh, with this question with all my guests, and the first thing I'm going to ask you is. Can you define the life of Jackie Velasquez in just a few words?
0: Oh. A fun fairy tale. There you go. That was <laughs> how many words was it? A fun fairy tale. Three. Yeah, Seven. that's good. That's that's good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But but it's a story, a fairy tale with purpose. Yes. A story story with purpose. And and to go into a little bit about, you know, in terms about your background, uh, uh, Jackie, uh, can you please tell us about your roots, your family, uh, where you came from?
0: Okay, well, my parents were pastors when I was a little girl, and um, they had a church in Houston, Texas, and then when I was... Uh, nine years old. I, I have older siblings, so my older siblings were already off in college and stuff. So when I was nine years old, um, my dad got—he uh, felt led to uh, go and evangelize. And my dad was also a singer and is a um, very accomplished uh, singer with different bands and stuff: the Galileans, the Amigos, the Latinos. So just he—he he had a, a background in music. So when I was nine, when he got the calling to he felt like he was needing to travel and go to different churches and become an evangelist which is basically an evangelist is like a a pastor who travels from city to city to different churches and kind of gives the pastor of that church a break like they don't have to um they don't have to teach that morning or that night so he felt led to do that and because i was the only kid at home um, they had to take me. So I traveled in the backseat of a car when I was nine years old from going from, you know, Houston to Dallas, Dallas to Albuquerque, New Mexico, from Albuquerque to, you know, Grand Junction, Colorado, from Grand Junction to Modesto, California, just from city to city constantly. And I was in the backseat of a Honda Accord, an 85 Honda Accord. And I would do my schoolwork in the back seat because I had to watch videotapes so I could keep up with, you know, my schoolwork. So I was homeschooled from the time I was nine and we traveled a lot. Um, we made records, well, cassette tapes at the time, cassette tapes, which are antiques. Um, my first cassette tape came out when I was nine and we sold those cassette tapes. Cause I would sing at the churches with my parents and, um, I would do step outs and do my own songs and stuff. And, um, And it was like a musical ministry, if you will. So um, we recorded not just my stuff, but then we would do uh, cassette tapes as a trio, my mom, my dad, and I. And so I think we did, I don't know how many projects, but we would record in English and in Spanish. And we just traveled and sang at different churches around the country. But then when I was, oh goodness, when I was 12 or 13, we upgraded- and got, because at this time, we didn't have a house. So we rented out our house because we were always on the road. So um, when I was 13, we upgraded from the car, the car, to a motor home. So I was so excited. It was the coolest thing I, I'd ever seen. I was either 12 or 13. And then when that happened, we were still traveling. When I was 13, someone caught wind of, I opened for a concert for a group called Point of Grace, which at the time was a brand new artist in contemporary Christian music, so they had a record deal, and so when I went to go open a concert for them, they videotaped it, their road manager, and sent it back to Nashville. And so then, when I was, I think I was about fourteen, they, um, uh, the record label, came out to Nash—I mean, came out to Texas to hear me sing at an event, and they signed me to a record deal when I was fourteen. And I moved to Nashville, I was either 14 or 15, and started making Heavenly Place, Uno this. Yeah, making that first record that came out when I was 16, so in '96. So, um, yeah, I've been traveling and singing since I was nine, but professionally, when I was, um, I guess I, I actually started touring for that record before the record even came out when I was 15. So, yep, yeah, it was good times.
2: Yeah. And so you've been in this for a very long time. And yes. and Jackie, how, how do you, how do you felt, you know, being so young and getting all you know, these records from music, you know, hits, you know, very young. How do you felt that when your music came into mainstream at a young age, how was that process and how you were able to handle the pressures that come, you know, in terms of being in the industry, in the music industry at a young age?
0: Well, Thankfully, you know, some people might call my mother a stage mom, but um, the truth is I needed her because I was traveling on the road with a bunch of, you know, like men, they're, you know, bands and stuff and artists and, and I was a child. So, um, and I look at my, so I, just to say this, I have a a 14 year old, I have two sons, I have a 16 and my 14 year old is about to become 15 this month. So like I'm looking at my kids, I was, I look at Soren, my youngest, and I go, I was already touring at his age. I mean, I can't even imagine him on the road with people and doing that. So it's, thankfully, I had a very strong family background. Um, My faith, you know, I I was singing because uh, Jesus gave me a gift. So for me, it was like, give the gift back to him and sing songs to him about him to lead people towards Jesus. So that's, that's for me, what, you know, what kept me grounded and kind of, it was in a, you know, I had a safe environment because I was surrounded by fellow believers in God. So, um, I mean, there, there there's so many facets to it, but like when I, when I said it was a fun fairy tale, I say a fairy tale because so young and to um to, you know, achieve things like that, you're kind of going, whoa, I feel like Cinderella. What is happening? I mean, I'm just a, a little Mexican girl from Texas, um, who kind of, you know, got homeschooled in the backseat of a car. And, and not fancy. We it was not fancy, trust me. But um, but you know, that's a thing about when you are obedient to what God has for you in your life. I mean, he, it's not your plans, it's his plans. So I was so undeserving. They were far more better. I mean, they're far better singers than me, far more beautiful people than me. But for some reason, God picked me. So I feel like a princess.
2: Definitely that God uh, gave you that purpose. Yes. You know, at, a, at an early age to have that faith that was crucial because, you know, without faith, you well, know, there's no, you know, there's no life. You know, having faith in God, you know, taking, cool. take, taking that leap of faith into the unknown at a young, very young age uh, was a part of, of of the process in your life. And you were able to do so well. Your impact, you know, reached out more than Texas, more than the U.S., you reached internationally at a young age. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and the impact and the work that you do, that you have done in your career speaks for itself. I mean, some people may say, I mean, say, you know, may wonder, okay, what is, the, how was this process of making making music? You know, sometimes if they're not very familiar with the industry or the process, I don't know if this is something that you would like to go over a little bit with our audience.
0: Okay. Well, the process, for, you know, the thing is with each artist, it's very different. So some artists, they are, I was young, but so, so many artists, they come in and they're songwriters first. So they write all their songs and then, you know, the label hears their songs and, and they set them up with the producer and the producer produces fine, you know, harvests the song in a different way than maybe the artist had originally written it for. So every process is different. But for me personally, um, I wrote a little bit of my stuff, but I was always on the search for for beautiful songs. So um, that I felt I could, um, I could, you know, not just sing, but I could bring to life in my own way kind of a thing. So when I, when I would look for different songs, I looked for different songs that would um, kind of accentuate the, uh, my, my range or that I, or more than anything that I felt like spoke to my heart that I could then relate to other people and feel passionate about it. And sing with, you know, abandon, kind of a thing. But um, I would say that, let me think. For my, for me, my process was finding great songs. I had the same producer for in my English record, the same producer throughout almost my whole career, um, almost. And then my Spanish, where I started recording in Spanish when I was eighteen, which was also that record was called, was it called Un lugar was it Igariti? I. I forget that sometimes because I should know that, but it was because the label and everybody was going back and forth all the time. So anyway, so that was, um, that was with Sony Discos. And so when we started recording in Spanish, some of the songs that I recorded in English, we translated into Spanish. And that was hard because some of the stuff that you say in English doesn't translate well to Spanish. And it sounds kind of just not good. Like uh I remember Flower in the Rain. Um it it didn't translate properly on my knees didn't translate properly. So you kinda had to really um just work through the whole process. So each process is different for every artist, but for me it was always about the song, the producer, and and just finding finding music that could that touched my heart that I could then take to others.
2: Definitely. And a very important question for you, um, Jackie, uh, because, you know, when you you know listen both to your sons in English and Spanish, listen to your sons in Spanish. And you mentioned that, you, you know, you have a great point. It's so difficult to translate it from English to Spanish because, one, there's different factors. There's different Spanish. I mean, the Spanish from, for example, from Puerto Rico is not the same from Cuba or from Mexico and from Venezuela. Exactly. So it's di- there's different words and that
0: complicates matters. Uh, so... Well, so what was, what was interesting is um, finding the right people to translate because they also kind of had to rewrite it as well. So we went with um, a Colombian person to do the Spanish because it felt like that was the most, you know, uh, you know, it could relate to the Cuban Spanish, the Puerto Rican Spanish, the uh, Spaniards. Um, it, it was, but it was a very difficult, like, situation to know how to navigate. And especially when you're my first language was not Spanish, my first language was English. So it wasn't until, I mean, I used to sing songs in Spanish um, on the road with my parents, but I didn't speak it. My parents spoke Spanish when they didn't want me to know what they were saying. So um, fast forward, when I started recording in Spanish, I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to have to learn Spanish because I'm going to have to do interviews because that's a big thing for the Spanish market. So I remember being in the bus and it was when I was making the record, but I was on tour with for my, I think it was the Crystal Clear record or no it was the second record. It was for the Jackie Velasquez. I felt self-titled record. So I was on tour and I remember I would lay in my bunk with, um, with a Spanish to English dictionary and I would listen to Spanish records. And one of the records I used to listen to was Luis Miguel Romance. So, um, so I would listen to the song because I loved the music, but I would, I would translate the words because I could sing the words because it's, just Spanish. It's music in Spanish, and that's easy. But to understand what I was singing, so that I would translate it with my Spanish to English dictionary to understand fontanas, as, you know, belt, uh, fountain. It was just a lot of campanas. You know, I learned all those crazy things because of those records. So my so fast forward, so I'm, I'm trying to, I'm like immersing. I didn't have time to go to school to learn Spanish or to have a tutor because I was on tour. It was intense. So uh, that I was a self-taught Spanish speaker. The first interview I ever did, the first interview I ever did, I remember going, what? The label came to me and said, uh, we we have an interview. This is the biggest show in South and Central America. So he doesn't, he doesn't do any Spanish, any English. I said, this is my first interview? What? You're throwing me to the wolves? My first interview was Sabado Gigante. Don Francisco.
2: Yeah, I remember
0: that. I seen that. I remember. Yes. It was so scary. I remember I talked to him backstage and he told me in English. He goes, we do not speak English on this show. Only Spanish. And I said, oh, okay. So if you look back at that interview, all my answers are "see," no. See, (laughs) I didn't know how to do this, but the pressure. And of course, when you feel the pressure, you can say you can't even remember your Spanish that you do know because you're like freaking out so nervous and you just feel I was I just remember being so frightened. And thankfully, I got to go back at one point and um, actually do an interview, a proper interview with him in Spanish. But it was a it was a lot. So I'm I'm a self-taught Spanish speaker. And people always go, your but your accent is good. I'm like, well, that's because I can sing it. I can, I can, I can fake it really well. <laughs> <laughs> but my Spanish is pretty good now. And of course now I'm married. And so wouldn't you know I married the only Mexican that doesn't speak Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's ironic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I speak more Spanish than he does. And he's like um, second or third generation Mexican-American. No, second generation Mexican-American. And my kids are third. And <laughs> I I just I don't know what happened.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, can you forgive me the heads up? So, you know, if I have the chance to speak with your husband, OK, I'm going to start practicing you in Spanish. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: yes. Please, because yeah. uh, now I have no one to practice with, practically.
2: Yeah. And do you prefer um, to sp- sing English or Spanish? Which do you enjoy the most?
0: Oh, see, that is the right question. So, there's, so obviously, English is much easier for me. But when it comes to singing, there is something that happens in Spanish for me. Because I think if you were to A, B, my records in English versus Spanish... The there they even though there might be the same songs, but just different languages. I I, I've always said that the Spanish just it sounds different. It I even sing differently in Spanish than I do in English because there's something so incredibly gorgeous about the language, the way the words connect, the way that it 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 brings the singer to life, if you will. So I love I love singing in Spanish, but like speaking in English. So I
2: don't, you know, so I can sound kind of smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm on the same line. I think that's part of our Hispanic culture that in Spanish is like more alive, more live, you know, more emotional. Uh, yes. Don't get me wrong. I like to listen to songs in English, you know, especially <laughs> gospel Christian songs yes. in English. But something that is very special about in Spanish. Listening to oh. you, listening to you know artists like Jesus Adrian Romero. Yes. Like Marcus with and so many in Spanish. I prefer that. Yeah and, and right now I'm trying to learn a third language which is Portuguese, which I'm trying to start this. Oh listening. yes. That is so smart. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in the process. I'm in the beginning phase. So I'm trying to um trying to learn that as my third language. And I, I a, lot, a lot a lot in similar to Spanish when I'm learned uh, Portuguese. So it's very interesting. Very interesting indeed did the bang did the boom yeah <laughs> <laughs> and Jackie uh not only the, you know you know as a singer but also you were interested you know in getting into acting why motivated you to become an actress
0: well it was kind of a natural progression so my booking agent at the time was William Morris agency and so they were like they i, I guess i guess i don't know i don't know how it happened or why it happened it's just that it was, I guess it was kind of natural. It was like, well, you're doing great in music. Now let's, let's try something different. So I was like, well, okay. So I remember um, I went to Los Angeles and my agent at William Moore, Morris Agency in California, she set me up on some auditions. So I remember I went to my first audition. It was at the 20th Century Fox Studios. And I was like, I remember walking down, you know, in the studios and to, to the building where I was going to do my audition and Mario Lopez was walking like in the road. And I was like going, it's saved by the belt that Mario Lopez is right there. That's so cool. So, um, I went to the audition, came back home, got the phone call. You got the part. Like, I, I got the part. What are you saying? This was for Chasing Poppy. So I was one of the three lead females um, alongside Sofia Vergara and um, Rosalind Sanchez and Eduardo Verasti. So I just was like, what is happening? I got my, my first audition, got the part. So acting became kind of, um, it's going to sound weird because for some people it is their livelihood. But for me, it was a hobby. It wasn't like It wasn't like music was for me. But it was something that, I mean, there's nothing more fun than playing pretend, and I could pretend to be something I wasn't. So that was always fun for me. And that's how I always viewed it. I'm getting to play pretend.
2: That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, your experience, your career, you know, senior and actress has been amazing. And my respects for you, uh, Jackie, Thank for you. everything that you have done. And now we're going to go to a topic a cause that unites us both, and that is autism. I I don't know if you have the chance to read a little bit about my story and my connection with autism. Uh, Was born by myself on the spectrum. I'm an autistic person. Um, You know, I went through the struggles. I was nonverbal to age three, was born and raised, and I went through struggles being nonverbal, struggle with social communication, struggle with making friends and different challenges. Uh, my parents, just I imagine that you went through in this process as well, were trying to find answers as to, to see what was going on with me. Uh, I was, this was in the early nineties. In the early nineties, there was not a lot of information about autism. Correct. As we have, as, as there is today. Uh, but to the ups and downs, I even wrote my book about autism, which I have really? it right over here. I want it. You got that. I'm going to send you a copy, a signed copy.
0: Yes, please.
2: (laughs) Yes. And and through the ups and downs, uh, growing up as an autistic person, I I was able to overcome different challenges. Some people may say, oh, you you look fine on the outside. But the thing about autism is that there's a story and there's a process behind the scenes. Um, And my story is through therapies, through getting support, I was able to become uh, uh, an, an independent person and you know graduate from college now working full time and and all that and and and, that, and my mission my daily life my daily mission is to advocate for this community to advocate for you know with the parents with the community to educate society about the potential that people with autism have in this world and and I wanted to ask you uh, Jackie you know this is a very important question how did autism came into your life? What was the first time you heard about autism?
0: Okay, so the first time I had heard about autism, um, I was living in England at the time, and I had this boyfriend who he had a little brother who was, he was, this this boyfriend I had, don't tell my husband I had a boyfriend other than him. <laughs> no um, worries. <laughs> so as everyone knows. Um, so he had a bracelet on with a puzzle piece and this, this boy that I, that I liked at the time. And I was like, what is that for? He goes, oh, it's for autism. It's, it's my brother, a little brother has autism. I was like, what is that? I didn't know what that was because I mean, this, is, this was a long time ago, but I, I mean, it was 2005, but I really had never heard that you know, I didn't, it was 2004 or something like that. I hadn't heard, I mean, I just didn't pay attention to it. Okay. So, um, so I met his little brother and he was very quiet and I was like, oh, okay. I said he doesn't look like he has autism. So didn't think about it again. So, um, I got married in 2006. Um, we, we got married December, 2006 to my husband, Nick. Um, who's the lead singer for a band called Salvador. So we got married 2006, 2000, November 2007. We had a baby. So we had a boy named Zeeland. I remember thinking to myself, what are we going to name him? I mean, um, Nick would throw out different names and just different stuff. And he, he mentioned the name Leland. I was like, no, not Leland. And then he goes, how about Zeeland? It's like, like New Zealand, Zealand. So I Googled it. And I remember I, there was not a person to be found with the name Zealand ever, ever. So so I was like, this kid is going to be different. He's going to be special. He's going to be one that is like the only one. So we named him Zealand. So, um, Got pregnant, we, we got pregnant pretty quick after Zeeland was born again with his brother, Soren, with an S. So the boys are 14 months apart, pretty close in age. So as Zeeland was growing up, I remember he was just the easiest baby, so easy. I mean, we could still like go to restaurants and and like, you know, have a nice dinner. And he would just lay in his carrier. I was like, I could have had 20 of him. Then his brother was born. And it was like, oh my God. If his little brother had been born before him, we would have just had one kid. Because he was a crazy, terrible baby. He cried all the time. So fast forward, the kids were about, um, well, let me see. Zealand was about two years old. And so his little brother was, you know, six months old, two, 24. 14. So it was, it was
2: diagnosed at, at, when he was, Zeeland uh, was diagnosed with autism at age two? No.
0: no. So, because um, Zeeland was, we, we started noticing um, when Zeeland was around two that milestones, his little brother was hitting milestones much quicker than Zeeland did. And Zeeland, he would talk a little bit, but he just mostly babbled. So he babbled. So instead of, typically in those situations, I bury my head in the sand. I'm like, he'll be fine. Everything's fine. But it's my kid. So I'm like, "Eh." because Zeeland was 24 months and then baby brother was 10 months. So I just, every uh, brother was hitting all the milestones much quicker than Zeeland ever did. And Zeeland was still babbling and stuff like that and didn't really say too much. So I contacted, um, um, people here in Tennessee and they came to our home and they did a, um, they, they said they got him some different therapies like speech therapy, occupational therapy, just to, they called it a pervasive developmental delay. Well, to me, a delay is he's just a little behind. He's going to catch up. So he continued on with those therapies. Um, uh, every week, he went to speech and occupational therapy till till the time he started kindergarten. So we um he was the first the firstborn, so the first one to go to kindergarten was a big deal. Oh my God, my kids get school! So um he went to a public school, and we actually moved to a county that had like the best schooling and the best schools for kids with delays. So yeah, we're like in it to win it. This school provides different therapies. They provide speech therapy. They provide occupational therapy. They even provide music therapy. Yes, I'm not going to have to pay out of pocket anymore. The school does that for us. That's great. So time went on. Little brother starts kindergarten. Now Zealand is in second grade. So we're talking to his pediatrician and talking to the school system. And now it's time for them to make a diagnosis because he can't just stay on a pervasive developmental delay program because he did have an IEP, which is individualized educational program. And since kindergarten he did because of the therapies and stuff, but at the end of second grade, you have to give him a diagnosis. So now the word autism had been thrown around, but we weren't going with that because it was still a pervasive developmental delay. Right? So now we're here in this meeting. Everyone's there. There's a people from the county. There's an autism specialist. There's um, behavioral specialist. There's just the principal, the people from different, just the who's who are in this meeting. And they sit us down and they go through their names and what they do and all this stuff. And uh, they say, Mr. And Mrs. Gonzalez, because my husband's last name is Gonzalez. Um, we have spoken. We have a pediatrician, and he, you know, he's here. All that stuff. Uh, Zealand is autistic. I'm like, you mean he's artistic? Because we're art, we are art people, artistic people. No, he's au- autistic. I was like, oh, okay, okay. Because I was okay with the delay, but I didn't know what to do with autism. So, um, so I remember in that meeting, I just broke down crying, like just tears. Cause what does that mean? I mean, he, to me is just Zealand. Like he's not anybody different. He is Zealand. And the baby that I had it in my belly that I had all these dreams for that I was, you know, I could picture what his life would look like. You're going to tell me that he's going to have challenges forever. I don't want that for him. See, and I would like to put this out there. Everyone's experience is different. Every person with autism is different. Everybody's story and journey is different because there's no one person alike. It's, it's wild. It's wild. So, um, so I didn't know what to expect. So I just remember I, w- I had to go through like a morning period of the dreams that I had for Zealand when I, um, when I was, you know, pregnant with him and as he was growing up to go, okay, so now he has a label and What do I do with this? And how can I, how can we make sure that he has every opportunity to succeed in life? Definitely. Yeah. And 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 how do I do that? Because they 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 don't like write a book on, hey, because because they can't write a book on it, because each person with autism is different. So my kid loves hats. Some kids have that are autistic don't love hats, don't want you to touch their head. I mean, it just, they're all so different. Yes.
2: And also it's so different. And that's one thing important for people in our society to know that sure, there's three levels of autism but each person with autism is different. You know, it depends on, and what you mentioned is very important because we need to talk about this. You know, parents going through, when receiving that news that -hmm. their loved one has been diagnosed with autism can create different emotions. You yes, know, and 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 what you guys went through, you and your husband went through, was in that morning period in which is very common for parents in the autism world to go through. And as, you know, reading a little bit about your story, Jackie, you know, I and, and we understand, you know, I understand that it was a very tough process. Even you know, because it, it, it was so tough that even um, your faith was put into test. Can you oh, go yeah. uh, see? Can you go over over that with us a little bit?
0: Well, okay, so if you can imagine, so here I am, a parent, and um, I'm mourning these things for my child. I've been in music. My husband's been in music. We've been singing to God our entire lives. Um, uh, Our whole whole life and ministry is based on communication. So when you tell me that my son has autism and might struggle to communicate for his entire life when... Our whole lives have been based on communication. I was very, very angry at God because I said, "I have given my whole life, my whole childhood to sing to you, for you, about you, and and you couldn't even be faithful for my child to not have struggles, to not have challenges. This does not seem fair, and I was very upset with God. Um, I I I remember just just being angry. So it was at one, there was one point where I was um, just talking to God and I was just angry with him. And you know what was cool? See, even when I was angry with him, he didn't like chastise me or, or even he, he didn't even say anything. He wasn't speaking to me. He was just, just kind of nothing was happening. But it was, I don't know when it was, but there was a moment where I remember just being just kind of broken and still trying to figure out what, how to, how to do this whole thing. Because how am I going to tell his little brother? I mean, his little brother adores him and, and, and to, for him to ever see him as different, that's not what I want for little brother. So um, I was angry with God and then there was one moment where I finally heard God tell me He just said, uh, there are so many things he told me, but he said, just stop. I picked you because I saw, I see something new. You just can't see in yourself. And that is strength. And, um, I didn't see that in myself. I didn't see that I would be a fighter. He said, stop complaining. Now get up and fight. Fight for your kid, advocate for your kid. I picked you because you are stronger than you know. And I'm going oh, okay. So, um, so I did. I I I started fighting for my kid. Um, I got new therapies brought into the school system because uh, they would benefit Zealand, and if they could benefit Zealand, they could maybe benefit other kids. So, um, so started fighting for him, and and honestly kind of i would recommend for any parent who is who has come to the new knowledge of these you know challenges for their children to to get a group of people to get um to get other moms other parents behind you so you have some sort of connection that you can talk through stuff because if you don't have a support group it and you have a kid with special needs, you feel like an island, you feel alone and you should never feel alone because there are so many of us that have these incredible kids that have some challenges in some ways and other challenges in other ways. Now, once again, I would like to say every experience is different. I have a very dear friend who her son is um, the same age as my youngest son and he's autistic and he struggles with violence. Some kids are aggressive. Every every experience is different. My son is not aggressive, but he and he does hug me. He still struggles to communicate and is super random. But the thing about it is, um, in fact, this was just this this week. Like we were talking about something at the table, and he's just so random. And we all just start bust out laughing because I'm like, Zealand, we we're, weren't even talking about that. What are you doing? And he can laugh at himself and I go, well, I don't know. That's just what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, that's just what you were thinking. Well, let's try to stay focused. Let's stay what we're talking about. But um, uh, he, you know, he's awesome. But I think the thing that, that as parents, we can do to help and to advocate for our kids is not just advocate for them for different therapies, but also harvest the gifts that they have because they do. Each autistic kid has like a crazy cool gift. So harvest that, find it. It's, It's Sometimes they're probably harder to find depending on each person, but like my son, he has perfect pitch, perfect pitch. Now he doesn't, speak very eloquently, but if you get him to sing, like he can tune, he plays violin and he can tune his violin by ear, just by ear. And that's crazy impossible, but that's the thing. Autism brings these other things to life in the mind that we don't get to have as, you know, typical people. Um, you know, I, I remember the day that I actually told zealand because we didn't tell him that he was autistic he's just zealand um and when we told him that zealand you have autism and he goes what i go you're at the time he had didn't have a low voice i'm just doing his voice now but he didn't understand what that meant i said that means you're rare that means you're different and he liked that he loves being different and rare I said, it means you're rare because your mind does something different than my mind. I said, you know how you can spin in circles really, 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 really fast and then stand up and walk straight? I said, I can't do that, but you can. And that's cool. And he has this gift where he does not get scared. He doesn't have any fears. He can, no fear of heights, no fear of anything, which is also scary as a parent, but It's pretty stinking awesome. Like, I wish I could do that. I have fears of like everything, but he doesn't. So he struggles in some ways, but then he is super gifted in so many other ways that I just go, you amaze me. So sometimes like um, there have been people that have come into my life that have said, I'm gonna pray for God to heal Zealand," And I... I always say, thank you for prayers. I love it. Thank you for praying for my son. Please pray for my son. Pray that he can have a full and successful life. But for me, the concept, and I, my husband and I talked about this, like if if all of a sudden he woke up one day and everything, all the pieces were like typical he wouldn't be Zealand. I wouldn't know who this person was. I I I I would mourn the loss of Zealand. Again. And I so it, it, you know, but with a every person, once again, with every with every child with um special needs, every journey is different. So for me, it would be I would I wouldn't know who he was if he wasn't this person. So, and I think he is pretty awesome. He, he's he's random, but he's awesome. No, what, that was powerful uh, what yes. you said, Jackie.
2: Um, and I agree with you a thousand percent and more. I mean, uh, your child was born with a purpose. That's what God, um, you know, when you when you were going through that struggle. That fighting, that sh- those challenges, and that beginning phase as to why this happening, what was this happening, then God told you to have faith. Yes. It all comes to having faith and to know that you know when you, you know that, that God knows that your child has that purpose. Right now, seeing how old is he right now? He is sixteen. Sixteen. So right now he's an adolescent, almost an adult, almost a few years. I know. And. And, and, and and you know, and you have done, you and your husband have done a tremendous job, you know, talking with him about autism to accept for who he is because of that purpose. That, yeah, but sure, we have, they may have some deficits in some areas, but he has some great abilities in other areas. And that's what I talk about, you know, as an advocate in, in society, to get educated about autism and to learn about the different stories about autism. You know, mm-hmm. autism impacts not only the person with a diagnosis, but also the families. How the families, the parents, the moms, the dads, have, live autism, and and focus on what can we do to help these human beings to achieve, to get the qualities, the services, the resources, and the supports, so that way they can achieve the mission that all of us want, which is a quality of life, better yes. quality of life, and. Yes. And, and that's what we, and, and what you've done is is a great example, especially for parents that may be listening to this and are going, they're going through their struggles right now to know, to never give up, to to have faith and to never give up in this process.
0: Yeah. And so, um, so it's funny to me when I told, well, when I, I did, when we talked about the first time being autistic, he, he said the same thing I did. He goes, artistic. I said, yeah, actually makes total sense. It is artistic as well. Um, uh, there was one time where he came home and, and, and he told me, he goes, mom, I don't understand some things sometimes. Sometimes I don't understand everything that's happening. I said, baby, that's okay. Autism? I said, remember, you're autistic. And he goes, yeah. He goes, well, I just wish I understood everything better. I said, "Oh, buddy," and I gave him a hug, and he just—he—he he gets it. And and so much of the things, like sometimes, like we'll be watching a movie and we'll all three be crying. Um, but Zealand will look at us and he'll be like, "What is wrong with you people?" And then his little brother, he's like, "Zealand, stop looking at me. i was crying." We're watching movie, and he's like, going, mom, tell Zealand to stop looking at me." But Zeeland is looking at his little brother with like concern, like he doesn't want his little brother to cry, even though it's like something we're all crying about in the movie. He gets very concerned and very protective of baby brother. But, you know, but the cool thing about it is um, the, the younger brother, he is, um, it's like God prepared. He, God prepared his heart to be, to be kind, but also... He, a little brother, I guess because of having Zeeland, he always looks out for the people that are different or that have challenges and he befriends them because he's like, I guess it had to do with his big brother. Now, he could, they, they want to kill each other most of the time at this point.
2: <laughs> They're siblings. I mean,
0: that's what, yeah. part of it. They're <laughs> like, Mom, Zeeland, de, 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 de. you know, back and forth, back and forth. I'm going, I'm going to jump off a cliff. But <laughs> Um, but you know, they're, they're, they're totally normal brothers, but it's, there is something with the birth order, even though he does have some special, special needs, he is still the big brother and he will tell him, Soren, you do what I'm saying. I'm the big brother, not you. And it's, and it's hilarious because you're going, yeah, he is the big brother. You better do what he says because he can pummel you. He is huge.
2: Wow. And that's a that's beautiful that that relationship that was I was I was going to ask you that question about how is the sibling relationship between Sealand and Soren and you and you and you and you explain it very well they have that connection that beautiful connection between both of them and as a family as overall which is important to be because again our families live autism but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's the end of the world I mean no. it depends on how it depends on how you approach it. And how you take action—that's something that I talk about with parents. Action, education, action to be resourceful. That was the word I was looking for: resourceful. Uh, And and you guys have done a tremendous job. And and Jackie, and your story, your family story, has been you know amazing uh, to share. I know this is going to be a blessing for so many families that are going to be watching and listening to this episode of the podcast. Now, this is you know an important question I was going to ask you. Okay. Autism mentor. Let's say around, you know, when, you know, when Céline was born. Now today, uh, in 2024, how has autism changed you as a person, as, you know, mother, wife, career? How has autism shaped you uh, today?
0: That, that just gave me goosebumps because... Yesterday, literally yesterday, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine who her son is on the spectrum and she's a part of my support group and she's, she's a very dear friend and, um, her son is autistic and we were talking, we were went to go watch a movie and we were talking to each other and I, and the guy who went to go, um, scan our tickets for the film, he was, um, uh, he, you could tell that he was autistic. Um, had some special needs. He had a little bit of a speech impediment, kind of a speech thing. But you know, he was probably in his like early 30s. So so you know he kind of struggled with you know, getting our 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 tickets to scan and stuff and um, and I looked over at her and I told her, isn't it funny how I guess prior to having a child with special needs, I may not have noticed that or maybe wouldn't have even, really had the patience for it. I'm not sure. I don't know. But I said, it's funny when you have a child with special needs, you get this like really kind of sixth sense where it's like, ha, you can see it. And it gives you so much empathy and patience for people that have challenges in a way that if you didn't have a child with special needs, you may not have the same, you know, reaction. So like for her, um, she was actually, uh, volunteering. She was, and she totally concurred. She was like, oh my gosh. She goes, yes. It's like before I may not have noticed. She goes, in fact, and this is where it went to. In fact, she goes, I was at the high school volunteering, um, you know, in the front office because I, I try to volunteer at my kids' school as well, high school and middle school, just so I can keep an eye on what they're doing. People are like, hey, are you gonna make a record? Hey, are you gonna um, t- start touring again? I'm like, I'm trying to raise teenagers right now and they're boys, like, as soon as they're like grown, I'll do, I'll get back to it, but I got it. I gotta take care of this for now, right now. This is important. This is too important to focus on, you know, to go, oh, let me go tour and make, you know, be, anyway, my kids are important. So, um, Amen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I, um, so I volunteered at the school. But she was telling me that this was last week. She was at the school volunteering, and she said that Zeeland walked in because he had lost his violin uh, the week prior, and this was a Monday. So he walked into the front office and goes, "Excuse me, I need to. Where is Lost and Found? I have lost my violin." And, um, and the lady in the front office, not my friend, but the lady, she goes. Uh, just go to the orchestra room and they'll find it for you. And he goes. Shh. And so my friend Glenna, who has a son with autism as well, she looked over at him. And she goes, "Hey Zealand," she goes, "because she knows him." Hey Zealand, hey, what you could do is you could probably try go to the band room, ask them there, then go to the orchestra, go to the lost and found, which is in this room. Now oh, and then, if you can't find in those places. Go to the orchestra room. Talk to Miss uh, to the teacher and and maybe someone has turned it in for you. Okay, and he goes, oh, okay. So, but and then as as he walked away, the lady at the front office told Glenn told my friend, said, um, said, ah, oh, I forgot that he has special needs. She goes, thank you for doing that. I just totally forgot. She was, you know, kind of passive with him because you know he's 16 he's he's a sophomore in high school just go figure it out buddy but he needed the steps he needed the steps so had she not been in that situation and hadn't recognized that he has some special needs it's easy to forget because with autism this is what i always tell people people with autism they have an innocence and an angelic way to their face that is different than typical people it's like it's like god gives them this gift to be more beautiful than the rest of us because i don't know it's like a beautiful gift that he gives them so it's hard to recognize when someone has autism because it's not visible it's a puzzle piece so uh, yeah it's easy to forget
2: <laughs> and well said and and that's important i mean through you know, autism has shaped you as a person, has shaped your family's life. And again, God has given you that purpose and to be able to provide the best support uh, for your children, for both of your children. So that way they can get uh, the best life, you know, best quality of life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: you and your story, Jackie, has been special, has been unique. And and I'm truly honored and privileged as, a, as an autistic person myself and advocate to be listening to this story because... Education is the key to learn about autism and be resourceful. That's the key, and to never give up. Yeah. You know, I I have one word for autism. In my case, I define autism as being perseverant or perseverance, mm-hmm. um, and that, that you, and you need you need that you need to be persevere under the challenges, that's the daily it. challenges of living on the autism world, and your story has been unique, Jackie. And as we wrap up our interview, I just, I, I want to ask you this very important question before we go. Um, what final message, what message do you have for our society? You know, as, as, you, as a parent, as a singer, uh, what you, what message do you have for society in regards to what more needs to be done
0: for autism? Okay, so for parents, I think um, I think, I think we need to recognize, to, um, to have, uh, not sympathy, but to have an understanding, to have empathy, to go, hey, everyone's different. Everyone is different. We're not all the same. And thank God we aren't. But also um, for like parents to remember if, if they have a child with special needs, um, God picked you. There was a reason. God only chooses special people for special children. So don't forget that God sees something in you you can't see in yourself. Also, I think the main thing is just to know that if God picked you, you have the hope to lean into what He what to lean into Him for help, for guidance. Because sometimes I think to myself, I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, God will just kind of throw a person into my world. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. This, thank you. That is a great idea. I didn't know what to do with this situation. So it's also fight. Fight for your kid. Fight for awareness. Fight for, hey, let's do something. People need help. There are some families that don't have the option or the opportunity for therapies for their children to succeed, help them. What can we do? You know, I align yourself with different um, organizations that that do provide services for people or families that, that may need it. That's that's I, the,
2: no definitely, and that's the most important thing. Uh, you need to be very active, and, and it's a fight, but there's a mission, and this is not something impacts our community. One community, but impacts our world, our society. The rate of autism continues to increase year per year, and there will be a higher need for services and supports not only for children with autism or autistic children, but this is something that impacts the lifespan yes. of their adults, and 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 that's very important uh, for our world to know. Basically.
0: Yeah, well, and I think about like mental health too, like like my youngest mm-hmm. son. You know, I'm not sure he hasn't ever needed anything that, but for some siblings and for some families, they might need, um, you know, some therapy, like just to talk through how I feel like my little one, um, he hasn't needed anything, but at some point he might want to go, man, I wish my brother would just be a big brother that could teach me to do stuff instead of me teaching him how to do stuff. So, you know, those are all those things you have to consider and, and it'd be awesome if the world, if, if, if society could provide those things for, um, for the challenges that not just the kid faces, but the other kids, the siblings, the parents, you know, um, and, and, in a healthy, you know, God in a faith-like way.
2: Definitely. And the, and the one thing that, and, and we talk about faith, this is very important, you know, the faith-based resources, we need, they need, we need to step up more. I'm being, I know I'm being honest sure. Church, mm-hmm. There's churches that have special needs uh, programs, but yes. unfortunately, there are others that don't have
0: that support. I don't know what you
2: thought about about this.
0: Um, um, well, so what's cool is you know the smaller churches can't have; mm-hmm. they don't have that kind of stuff. But the bigger churches, they do have like a buddy program. So they've yes. got a buddy who you know kind of shadows yeah. them, and hangs with them, and you know kind of shows them the ropes and stuff. But keeps an eye. So um, thankfully, you know, the churches we've been a part of do have that kind of program, but the smaller churches don't. So I mean, I think that if parents are involved in their church, if your church doesn't have that kind of program, maybe be that program within that church. Volunteer, yeah. be that program within that church. Start it because people need help. So
2: and and the church had to be our the leaders had to be the leaders in our society to lead the way. And, and and that's an area that we definitely, we need to work more uh, yeah. in my opinion. So Jackie, uh, your story has been, I'm, I'm truly honored to have interviewed you. I still can't believe I'm interviewing you, to be honest. Uh, the one Jackie Velasquez. Uh, but before we go, um, uh, how can people can follow you, uh, you know, social media, website? No, we understand that you're raising your teenage sh- you know children. So <laughs> there's no, for the people listening and watching, it's gonna be a little bit of a while until we get a record but how can people keep keep, uh keep touch with you
0: okay well um on facebook it's jackie velasquez official on instagram it's just at jackie velasquez and Mm -hmm. um that's kind of i mean i do post stuff but i am you know it's it's i i try to i try to do as much as i can but sometimes i am i find myself uh living a lot more and and i forget sometimes to post so I try, but yes. And then there's my website, JackieVelasquez.com. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still working on stuff. I just haven't put stuff out that would require me to travel because I have to keep an eye on teenage boys because they can be terrible. But <laughs> well, you, but well, you do it with love, and that's the <laughs> most important
2: thing. <laughs> and. and- And I'm I'm gonna put all your links, uh, Jackie. I'm gonna put it once this episode is published, so that way, uh, people can reach out to you. Especially, you know, if parents, families uh, would like to reach out to you for any advice, because again, support groups in autism is key. I talk about this all the time. Support groups with parents and siblings, grandparents, caretakers
0: is the key. Well, and I do one more thing. I did forget to mention this because I'm not even thinking about that stuff. I'm thinking about my kid, but um. I did write a book on um on the story. And it's called When God Rescripts Your Life. And so it's funny because it rescripts um Zeeland uh when he was younger and and sometimes till this day, he scripts a lot. So he'll hear something on a movie, hear something on TV, and he says it like as if it's his own, as if it's his own language or words or his statement, which is sometimes he says it the best times possible. But so when God rescripts your life, when your life that you thought you were going to live turns out much different than you had planned, which is what I'm living. Um, And it's a great support for families with kids with special needs. In fact, the forward and some of the um, uh, endorsements are written not by just famous people, but by friends who have... um, Children with special needs, and just because that's the reality, that's the real thing. So, um, and it's so I have it in English, and I have it in Spanish. Cuando Dios reescribe su uh, historia, and then when God rescripts your life,
2: and definitely, I'll be more than happy to put it as well uh, on the link, so that uh, on our link, so that way people can can look, you know, go ahead and buy the book as well. well. We'll we'll take care of that once this episode is published. Jackie Velasquez, the one and only Jackie Velasquez, I'm truly honored and privileged to have you here in my podcast. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. Uh, the very best for you, for your husband, for your family. Much blessings. Uh, keep moving forward and, and the very best for you in your life. And again, thank you so much for having participated in an interview with me in my podcast, My Time with Tony Hernandez-Pumaro. Truly appreciate it and truly honored. Thank you,
0: Tony. Thank you.
2: Thank you. What a, what a powerful and inspirational story uh, from Jackie Velasquez. Uh, her story, especially as a mom uh, to a child with autism, is just a story of millions and millions around the world that faces you know, challenges in raising their loved ones who is autistic, you know, who is autistic around the world. Uh, for her to explain the struggles, what they went through as a family in the beginning uh, when they she they she received the news, you know she and, and her husband received the news uh, that their child has been diagnosed with autism and the struggles that they went through in accepting their child's diagnosis and then and then be able to evolve and be able to provide the support through love and care for their loved one. Uh, to have the best quality of life possible as an autistic, you know, human being, and not to mention the fact to have this open conversation uh, with their son, uh, Celand, you know, telling him that you're, you know, he's, he's autistic, and to accept him for who he is, um, you know, the beauty and talking about the challenges that we face in our autism community is very important. And and I felt the power, uh, the emotions of this interview, and I hopefully. Um, if, you know, especially if you're a parent and you're able to get something from this interview that will help you in raising and supporting your child with autism, if you're able to do that, that then then that will be fantastic, and I would have accomplished my job. So I hope, hopefully, uh, you have you love this interview, I like this interview with with Jackie Velasquez. Uh, again, if you haven't done so, please please subscribe to my podcast, My Time with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. Uh, the podcast, you know, bilingual podcast with purpose of this world Uh, until next time. uh, This is Tony Hernandez Pumarejo and this has been another episode of My Time with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. So I'm wishing everybody that you have a wonderful day or good evening or good morning from any part of the world. God bless you.
1: Well, this is the end of another episode of My Time with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo. Tony hopes you liked it. If you'd like to learn more about the work Tony does, subscribe to him on his social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, which is now X, and his LinkedIn page. You can also follow Tony on his website at TonyHernandezPumarejo.com. Also, if you are interested in getting a copy of his book, An Autism Unscripted Life, you can purchase it on Amazon or any book-selling platform. You can also obtain a copy through his website. So, until the next time you meet